God is so good. Well, this morning, it's Christmas uh, week. We're going to uh, look at John 3, 16 and 17. John 3, 16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And verse 16 is very familiar. I want to touch on verse 17. Let's read verse 16 first and then go into 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Notice, He didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. God gave His Son so that you and I could be saved. Luke 19, don't you have to turn here, but Luke 19, verse 9 says, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. 1 John 4, 14 says, And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. So Jesus came... Not to condemn everybody. He didn't come to hold something over us and say, show us how we didn't measure up. God, gave, God came so that through Him the world might be saved. He said He has come to seek and save that which is lost. To seek and to save that which was lost. And it said, God, in here it says, God has sent the Son as Savior of the world. The word save or saved, you know, like I said, I'm not a, I don't, I don't know how to speak Greek. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I, I can use references. You know, there's people that are called to do that. You don't have to be called to do everything. Thank God. <laughs> Imagine if you had to know all the languages, translate Hebrew and Greek, and be called to preach, and be called to, you know, go out and run a business at the same time, and be called to, you know, teach in the school system. I mean, you can't do everything. What, what are you called to do? That's what you need to know. You don't need to pretend you're somebody else either. Let the people that are called to do something do that, and then you do what you're called to do. And then if we work together as a team, we'll get the job done. There's one Superman, that's Jesus. The rest of us, we serve him. You know, if you're called to business, do it with excellence. Be a business. If you're called to teach, Teach. If you're called to be an engineering, then, you know, be the best engineer you can. If you're called to be, a, you know, uh, an artist in, the, in creative things, then, then do it with everything you have. You know, in the Old Testament, when they were preparing, um, working in the temple, people, it says specifically, the Spirit of the Lord was upon people to do certain things. It was upon the artisans and the craftsmen. The Spirit of God was on them to do those tasks. There is no task that's just secular if you're doing it in the service of the Lord. You understand that? 
There is no task that's secular. It's what did he call you to do? If he called you to do it, that means the king is asking you to do something. That makes it spiritual. You're doing it in the service of the king. Men separate things and say, well, this is more spiritual. That's carnal. When, when people do that, that's actually carnal. They think they're being spiritual, they're actually being carnal. Think about it. If the king asked you to do something, who is a man to say that's not spiritual? I'm doing what he asked me to do. What else am I going to do? To do anything else is disobedience and rebellion, right? So what do we need to do? Lord, what do you want me to do? Whatever the answer is, that's what we need to be, get, be uh, about doing. And what you're going to do may not be what you're doing now. And some people get a glimpse of where they're going, so they try to make that happen now. Don't do that. You may see something out in the future, but God is not going to show you every step, everything. He's going to lead you step by step, because it takes faith to do that. You're gonna, you need to do what you're called to do now. It may not be your ultimate calling, but don't negate anything in any step that God has called you to do. If He asks you to do something today, it's important. Do it with all your strength. Do it right, and don't negate it. Well, this is just natural. This, is just, this doesn't look like it's anything. God, oh, we're, not, we're not teaching on this this morning, but we prayed. We touch on the right things, right? So we don't squash that either. But look at how many times in the Bible somebody was doing something over and over. God prepares people in ways that it doesn't look like their ultimate calling. Jesus himself was a carpenter. Somebody could have said, well, you're just a carpenter. They did say that. <laughs> Who are you? But notice he did that for 30 years. He just grew. He didn't do anything that looked necessarily... You know, like what he was ultimately called to do. But then he stepped into it and stepped into it, and it was all different then. You know, you could look at any number of people in the Bible that stepped into something at, at some point, but they, they were prepared. Do what God's called you to do. Don't try to be somebody else. Amen? Don't try to don't try to fake it. Don't try to don't don't act like you have to know everything. Sometimes we think we have to know everything. We don't have to know everything. We, we know we don't know everything. That's why we try to act like we know everything. No, we should do what God calls us to do, and if we do that, then we can look at God and say, God, I, asked, I did what you called me to do. I did what you asked me to do. Anything else? What's next? Oh, you want me to keep doing this? Okay, I'm going to keep doing that. And he'll bless you, and he'll help you. And you don't have to look at your neighbor and be jealous or think you ought to be doing something else. You get in trouble when you try to do somebody else's job. Amen. So anyway, there's tools that we can use uh, to look at other languages like these. Uh, so like this, this is from a concordance, and I'll be reading from uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary. But the word uh, that's, that's translated save, the way it pronounces it here is sozo. It's pronounced, or it's uh, translated, or what it means is to save, to deliver, to protect. When it says uh, that Jesus came so that we might be saved, this is the word. It means to save, to deliver, to protect. It's translated heal, preserve, save, to do well, to be made whole. You'll see it over and over when you see a lot of times where it says, uh, like the woman with the issue of blood, 
when she was made whole, that's the same word. To be made whole, to save. It's a big word. It means to make everything right, to make to complete. It means, um, in the Vines Expository Dictionary of Biblical Words, it, uh, it's to save, is used uh, of material and temporal deliverance from danger, suffering, from sickness, like we just said, to make whole. It's used of spiritual and eternal salvation, granted immediately by God to those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, like what we're saying. It means, inclusively, for all the blessings bestowed by God on men in Christ. It means all those things. It's a big word. It means that you are made complete in Him, that you're made whole in Him, that what was lacking is made right, that, yes, you're saved from eternal you know, hell because you are being, you're made new. You're being born again. You're saved from something. Christmas is a time of redemption. Christmas is a time of new beginnings. Christmas is a time of forgiveness, of rededication, of joy, of peace, of love. It's a time to experience God's love and life afresh. It's a, that sense of warmth, abundant provision, peace. That's a glimpse of God's abundant uh, of his purpose in sending Jesus. That, that when you see pictures of that idyllic setting of, of just abundance and warmth and that goodness, yes, we can be nostalgic about it, but the gifts that are given, they're symbolic of what uh, Jesus was and is. That abundance, that sense of peace, that sense of completeness, that sense of everything's going to be okay, that sense of we're going to go out and try again, that sense of I got another shot, that's God's plan in redemption. It's because Jesus came to give men hope and a chance to be free. That's what it is. It's so much more than, well, you know, it's the end of the year and we get, yeah, thank God we get together with family. But when, you, when we're looking at what God did through Jesus, while we're celebrating Christmas, that sense of, when people talk about the Christmas spirit, it's been uh, secularized. But what is that? It's, it's giving. It's uh, looking at somebody else. It's looking outside yourself. It's, it's going to be okay. You know, people talk about Christmas magic and all that stuff. Well, that's just a secular idea of what really is. It's God's presence and love and the fact that everything is okay and people have a chance to be right because of Jesus. That's what it is. He came to set us free, to, to, to save. What did He come to set us free from? John 10.10. 10. We'll put it up on the screen. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, to destroy. I have come. Jesus said this. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. In the New Living Translation, it says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You see the expanse. This is God's heart. God is not small. He's big. Heaven's real. 
That sense that we have when it's truly, you know, people have, have associated loss at, at Christmas time. They, they miss their loved ones and so on and so forth. But there is the positive side that if we understand God and who He is and that heaven's a real place and His heart and His will toward us is abundance, it's rich, there is no lack, there is no death, there is no loss. It's weighty. It's heavy. It's not this secular idea. It is God putting His hand toward earth and saying, I want you to experience the life, basically, that He is. In the Amplified Classic, it says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Deep, expansive, full. God gave His Son so that we could experience His life. He gave His Son so that you and I could be free. Because freedom is the gateway by which we're going to experience life. John 8, 31. You don't have to turn there either. We'll put this up on the screen. John 8, 31 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, If you abide in My word, you are My disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered Him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? See, they're deceived. They don't understand. Jesus answered answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. That's why Jesus came, is to set us free, to make us free. Who ever heard of somebody that's experienced abundant life but is a slave? Is bound to something. If you're bound to something, then you're not free. You're not going to experience abundant life. That is why Jesus came, is to set us free. What did He set us free from? Why did He come? What what is He setting us free from? Here you see these um, people Jesus is talking to said, "We're, we're, we're not in bondage. They're deceived. They are. Do you realize a lot of the world says, we don't need to be free. We don't need a Savior. So what, 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 did, what did Jesus come to save us from? From Satan, from death, and the power of sin. See, there, there was and is a darkness over the world since Sin entered the world, and it entered the world through Satan. And Satan came, deceived, tempted, deceived. Question if Adam was really deceived or not, but Adam and Eve, and they partook. Uh, they, They bowed their knee to Satan, basically did what he wanted them to do. And sin entered the world. 
And because of that, the world is in bondage to Satan, to sin and to Satan. In Romans 5, verse 12, go ahead and look at, uh, let's turn over to Romans. Let's look at Romans. We're going to look at a few verses there, so you're going to to be around there for a little bit. Romans 5, verse 12. It says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. So it says, verse 12, therefore, just as one man or through one man sin entered the world. Well, who tempted him to sin? Satan. Satan Through Satan, and then through one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and so death came into the world. And then death spread to all men, because all have sinned. So everybody on the earth is in bondage, whether they realize it or not, apart from Christ. The world was dark. When Jesus is talking to these people... It, they don't even understand that they're in bondage. They're thinking naturally. They don't understand they have a master, and it's not God. Now, they were under the old covenant, and they could do things to save things off, but ultimately, Jesus had to come. See, he was born of a virgin. That means he wasn't, there was no earthly father. Therefore, the, what Adam had done and been passed down wasn't passed to him. He was a, a man on the earth that walked in this earth, tempted like everyone else, but he didn't yield. See, Adam yielded to, to the devil. And everybody since then has, apart from one, Jesus. He came, he wasn't tainted. And he walked on this earth free. And because he did that, Now we can receive life through Him. See, He was the rebirth. He was the second chance. He—that's why when you when you see like we we look at Christmas, there's this newness, there's this freshness, there's another chance. That's because the world had another chance through Jesus. Jesus is the hope. There is no other hope. See, people can can think. Whatever they want in their minds, they can make up religions. It doesn't change the fact they are bound. Without Jesus, people are bound, period. They are. They can, they can, the natural uh, man and people can have philosophize and have natural ideas and talk with one another and talk about how they're going to have a party in hell because all their friends are going to be there. It's all foolishness because they are, they are dealing with with a legality that they are owned. Because they were sold out before they ever came on the earth. Adam, their ultimate descendant, 
sold them out. And without Jesus, they can't be free. You can try to be free. People make up all kinds of ways to try to be free. All kinds of, you see books, you see people's programs, and you see videos and whatever of their way that they got a little bit of freedom, but they're not ultimately free. The only way you can really be free is through Jesus. Anything else is a little bit of freedom, but how, how many of you know, you try to get free in one area, if it's done in the natural, you're, you're going to get bound in a different area. There is no freedom apart from Christ. People will balk at that in the natural. No, there is none. Because it's, Jesus is the only way to true freedom. Because, the, because uh, mankind was bound and is today, without Christ, bound by sin, bound by Satan, bound by death in every form. See, sickness is a form of death. And ultimately, it does lead to death in some cases. But you could have you know, uh, a problem with your arm, and there's death there. There's dysfunction somehow, and it's leading to death. You could have death in relationships. What is divorce or what is, you know, uh, being estranged from parents and kids? That's a death of a relationship. Poverty, what's that? That's death. Poverty is not just financial. It's not. It is a way of approaching life that leads to poverty. Did you hear me? It's not. You can give some, if somebody has the mentality of poverty and they, they, don't, they don't think right, they don't, have behaviors that are right, you can give them a million dollars and it'll be gone because they haven't changed anything. Over and over. You got, it has to change from the inside. Some, if somebody is in, in poverty and in its ultimate form can't eat, it means they are sick in their mind. There is death there. They, they don't think right. They don't see right. It may have been passed down, but it is a form of death and ultimately can lead to physical death. All these things, Jesus has come to break the curse and to let us go and to be free from all of it. Really free. Truly free. Not free on paper. You know what I mean? Get a good plan together, looks good, but in actuality, doesn't work. Really free. We just read, Jesus said, I'll, I'll make you free. Make you free. He who the Son makes free is free indeed. So one, through one man, sin entered the earth. And death through sin, death spread to all men. Romans 5.18 says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, so the first part's talking about Adam, as through Adam's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, that's Jesus, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. So see, through Adam, death came. Bondage came. Condemnation came, but God, it says in, in uh, John 3, 17, God didn't send his, world, or his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent his son to save the world, that through him, 
people could be set free. People could be saved. Stay in Romans. You don't have to turn to these other ones because we're going to read some more in Romans. But I want to read these to you and put them up on the screen. 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. There's one. There's one. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. He gave himself. But there's one mediator. There's one person to stand in the gap. There's one that can set people free. You can't set yourself free. I can't set myself free. This is what we're celebrating. It gets better as we see what Jesus has done. It, 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 the, the, the expectation, the excitement, the reality of what we already have. Forget, I mean, thank God for the gifts we may be opening in a couple days. But if you know Jesus, you have the best gift there ever is and ever will be right now. You're free. You're free. And no amount of money, no amount of, of stuff, the things the world seeks. It can compare to what you and I have now because of Jesus. That's what we're celebrating. That's what we're, we're glorifying Him for. Our freedom. We are free. Not made, not made to look free, and we're going to get back in. We have been made free. Amen. Hebrews 2 verse 14 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise also shared in the same. See, he had to come and he had to be flesh. He had to be one of us so that he could show the way that it could be done and lead us out so that if we could believe on him, we could be free. It said, He himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Do you understand? The devil's been defeated. Because of what Jesus did. He came, and then ultimately, his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection, he conquered Satan. Satan, his power is broken over the Christian. Broken. We're free. Period. He doesn't want you to know this. And he'll try to say, well, see, you're still bound. No, we're free. Part of being free is standing up and saying, enough, I'm free. I'm walking out of this cell. The door's open. And we're still standing inside. Because Satan has convinced the world that he still is what he used to be. He's not. He's defeated. that he might destroy him who had the power of, of death. You know, one person at Ramah talked about the, the way it's, it, that's said there, destroy, it gives the image of like if you had a, a pavement like in a parking lot and you broke it up with a jackhammer and it's all just destroyed, it's there. You might have to move some of this stuff, but it's rendered useless. The devil's power has been jackhammered. It's been broken up. And you might say, well, it's still there. Just move it out of the way. 
just take it and start moving and say, no, I'm free. You're done. You don't own me anymore. Jesus came. And I believe on him. It said, he might destroy him, that he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He has released us. See, people are afraid of things on this earth. They're afraid of dying. They're afraid of sickness. They're afraid of losing their, you know, their money or their job or whatever. Jesus has come to release us from that fear so that we can actually live because we know Him and we're, our hand, our, we're in His hands. And so we're free. We're not fr afraid of what other people are afraid of anymore. And if you're not afraid, you're free to actually live. You're free to do what God has called you to do because you're not afraid of being in bondage or failing or you won't have enough. You can step out and say, no, I'm called to do this. God will take care of me. Amen. That's true freedom. If you're saying, oh, I'm free, no matter how much money you have, if you're afraid of losing it, you're in bondage. If you won't do what you're supposed to do because you're afraid of losing something, you're in bondage to fear, just like this is talking about. That's not a free, per, a free person. A free person can act on what God has told them to do and be uh, completely confident. No matter what happens, He's there. And He's more than enough. And He's bigger than anything that we might come in contact with. Go back to Romans verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 16. Just a little ways down from what we are reading in, in Romans 5. We choose who we're going to serve. We choose. See, see the, the parking lot's been jackhammered. The parking lot's been broken up. We're free. But we can choose what we're going to do every day of our life and choose to serve God or choose to, to serve something else. And people can start, if they don't take that first step and, and, and come to God and believe Jesus, then they are bound. And as we walk with Him, though, even if we've received Him, even though the, the doors open, the prison doors open, even though the parking lot has been rendered completely destroyed by our actions, we can choose to go back under bondage. If we'll understand that if I'll just go after Him and trust Him, He will help me to go forward and to be completely free in every area. Indeed, if it, if it may look like, well, you're, I, I know in my head that Jesus has set me free, but what about such and such? Just keep on with him. He came to set us free. Now we have to choose to believe that. Now we have to choose to act on it. Now we have to choose to believe that that's true and say, I'm free, in spite of the fact that it may look like you're not. Amen? Because we can, we can sit here, we can shout, we can say, Oh, thank God Jesus died for me and I'm free. And we go back into life and go, Yeah, but what about this? No, we have to get to the point where we say, No, I am free of this and say it right in the face of something that looks like it has us bound. And trust Him that He'll help us get out. And He will. To make it true. 
In every part, in actuality, the Bible said, Jesus said, I'll make you, he who the Son sets free, makes free, is free indeed. Not in church, not because we believe it, like it's our doctrine and we're free, but actually we're bound. But we say we're free and we jump and shout about it. Got a lot of songs about being free and woohoo, we do dances. But in actuality, we go out and, well, just as bound as everybody else. What's the use of that? See, that, then you got everybody just celebrating Christmas. We're celebrating maybe a little different, but at the end of the day, we all go back to work in January, and it all looks the same. No, Jesus came to make us free, 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 <laughs> fully free in reality. That no, it doesn't, have a, it doesn't have any hold on me. Sin, sickness, death, poverty, any power of Satan, it does not have any hold on me. How does that become actuality? we got to believe that what Jesus said He did, He did. And what we say we celebrate at Christmas time right now, that it's true. And we put it into place on Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and we put it into place in January, and not something that we're trying to work up. It's just yielding to Him and say, God, I, through Jesus, I believe you did set me free. I am not going to do without what you gave me. You have set me free. Through Jesus, we thank God for this gift. We are free. And anything that looks like bondage, we push back on it. It has to leave. It has to let go. It has to change. Romans 6.16 says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or, or obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. That means you used to be bound, but because of what Jesus did and because your reaction to Him, you became free. Now you start walking that way, now you're slaves of righteousness. You do what God wants you to do and walk in His freedom. And the things that look like it bounds you, you, you come out of it. Because you just look and give Him the position in your life. Look at this next part. Romans, uh, yeah, we'll go down to Romans 7, verse 12. He will show you the way out. He has set us free. Everybody said, I'm free. I'm free. In Jesus, I'm free. In Jesus, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Romans 7, verse 12. <clears throat> says, Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just is good. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not, but sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me. Through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Now watch what Paul is saying here. He's giving a picture of what it can look like when somebody says, Wait a minute, I thought this is what Jesus did. I thought I'm free. And, but I end up doing this, and why can I do that? And he gives the picture of somebody that's just going in circles, and he says eventually, Jesus, who is going to actually set me free from this? And he says, it's Jesus that will set me free. And has. 
Verse 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what am I doing? For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. What I hate, that I do. So he's saying, hey, I want to do something, it's the right thing, and I don't do it. And then he said, the thing I don't want to do, I end up doing it. He's given the picture of the world. Is that, does that look like freedom to you? That's not freedom. That is bondage to something. I want to do it, but I can't. I want to do this, I can't. I, I, I can't stop doing this other thing. It says, if then I, will, I do what I will not to do, verse 16, I agree that the law is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present in me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I don't do. The things that I want to do I think are good, I'm not doing. But the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I end up doing. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's giving the picture of trying to live this life in your own power. I want to do this right thing, but I mess it up. I don't want to do this other thing, but I end up doing it. And then somebody comes out with a book that talks about the way they got free on something, so somebody goes and tries that. It works for a little while, and then they make a mistake, and they say, ah, I, I can't do it that way. But somebody else just came out with another you know, 10-video YouTube series on what worked for them. So then you go and look at that, and ooh, that helped me to stop doing this, but then some other thing triggered it, and I blew it all apart, and then I'm discouraged. I'm like, how am I ever going to get really free? And Paul's saying... I thank God through Jesus Christ. He's the only one whereby we can be truly free. That the stuff that we dealt with, that Jesus actually came to let us be completely out of bondage. What are the steps when we, when we see this? He's given a picture of somebody that's trying to do something but not succeeding. We need to take it. At what, take God at His word, look at what Jesus has done and say, no, He has set me free. Yeah, but you've done that for the last ten times. I'm free. Yeah, see, what will what what tend to happen is, you're never, this devil whispered to your ear, you're never going to get free of that. Yeah, you may think God delivered you, but just look at you. Look at this in your life. Look at that. Look at how you made a mistake. And we have to take our eyes off that and say, no, this is the whole reason Jesus came. That's the whole reason that baby was in the manger, is so ultimately he could, come, he could grow up, that he would give himself for me on that cross, that he would die, that he would be buried, that he would raise from the dead, rise from the dead, and that through believing on him, I can be completely free, and this thing will be no different. I'm overcoming. I am free through him. Amen. And stay right there. Amen. 
and thank God right there. And it doesn't matter if it look you messed up three more times. You say, no, I'm free. He, he, I believe what Jesus has done for me. And the devil whispered and said, you're a fool. What do you, you, no, it, you just messed up again. I'm free. He set me free. And I believe that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm free. I'm free. You have Christmas all year long. You say, no, no, he came so that I'm free. I am free. I'm walking free. He came so that I could have an abundant life, that I could walk in true freedom, not looking at this and that, oh, you're this deficiency and that deficiency, but that I could walk free and with my head up, not condemned, not in shame, but enjoying life, enjoying God's life. Praise God. 1 John 2, 2 said, He Himself is the propitiation for our sins. Not for ours only, but for the whole world. See, He paid the price for sin. And that is the way we can walk any of this out. Because if you have to pay the price for sin, you're done. You're already condemned. Because you and I have blown it. But because He did what He did, you and I are under the age of grace. You, you and I are under God's mercy and grace. That means Jesus has bought and paid for your sins. That means if you do miss it, you don't get crushed right there. You understand some of the punishment in the Old Covenant? You, did, you messed up this much and you're done. It had to be that way for a season. But in this day and age, you can walk with God and you can want, run after Him. And even if, some, even if you stumble, you can get back up and say, God, I missed it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And you go right on. You don't pay the penalty for that. That doesn't mean you just let something linger in your life. But the Satan will try to whisper and tell you, this, you'll never get free of this. And you just look him right in the eye and said, liar. I am free. Sure doesn't look like it. I walk by faith. I don't walk by sight, and this too will go. I don't have any desire to walk down that path. I don't have any desire to yield. I'm free, and I'm going forward with him. He has set me free. And you come up, and chains break. Left and right, because we are yielding to Him. This is why He came. And He did not come for some whitewashed, just uh, pie in the sky, cloud of a life that everybody just, you know, is fake and doesn't actually walk through certain things in life. Every person on the face of the earth is in different places walking through their salvation. Doesn't mean you're not saved, you're saved, but you're walking through the salvation that Jesus has bought and paid for you. And Satan will kind of try to come and say, see, you're not doing this and right. You're not doing that right. You're not doing this right. Therefore, you, don't, you can't walk with God. Everybody is at some degree of walking out their salvation. And if we'll get real with God, because He already sees everything anyway. If we'll say, God, this is a problem. I don't want this any longer. I don't want to do that. I don't want this in my life. But God, you have come that I may be free. So I declare I'm free. I'm going after you, and by your power and your strength, I will be out. This behavior is falling off. This behavior is falling off. Amen. 
He came to save real people. Not people that already don't, don't have any problems, that don't need a Savior. They don't exist. He came to save you and me in real life and make us free. If all these scriptures just apply after you've gained perfections, what good are they? Has anybody, anybody in here want to stand up and say, I've already arrived, I'm perfect? I already got it done. Well, what are we talking about when we're talking about that the gift of righteousness and we're talking about that he's the propitiation for our sins and we're talking about that uh, he will make us free? If we're not talking about where we are now, that he will bring us, he'll lead us in the path and bring us to the other side. If we're not talking about that, what are we talking about? Because everybody has to walk through something. Everybody's dealing with something. Amen. God came to set us free right where we are now. Don't put it off in the future. Don't say, oh, if there's something, if I could just get this and this, then I'll come to God and then he'll help me the rest of the way. He wants to help us now to get freer and freer and just believe I am completely free in you now today. That needs to be our confession now. We need to believe it today, now. If you're waiting, you're just going in circles. Amen. Amen. He set us free. He set us free. Praise God. Go ahead and, and just stand to your feet. Let's just worship Him.